Welcome to the Mastering Fulfillment Podcast, where we focus on bridging success with fulfillment in your personal, business, and spiritual life. And now your hosts, Scott Berry and Joshua Wenner. Hello and welcome to the Mastering Fulfillment Podcast. My name is Scott Berry, and today we have a very special guest, Craig Saloner. He has 12 years of experience as uh, an investor working with couples. His endeavor is called Finance for Couples. He co-runs a really beautiful eco-village outside of San Diego, and he's about to launch his new program specifically for women called Empowerment Wealth for Women. And I'd like to introduce Craig. Craig, how are you today? I'm good, Scott. How are you, brother? I'm fantastic. Good. Craig, it's uh, so wonderful to have you on the podcast. We are continuing our relationship series. And for those thinking at home, why are we talking about finances when this is a relationship series podcast? I will actually shoot that over to you and ask you, why dedicate a part of your practice, a part of your reason for helping people and for helping couples in the area of finance of all places. It's not sex. It's not communication. Why is finances and getting on the same page in a relationship so important? Money is such a pervasive thing in our lives, right? Money is such a dominant energy. We make countless decisions every day around money. And when you're in, you know, when you're single and, and, and money is just, there's, there's a whole lot of confusion around money just to begin with, right? There's, there's so many different things about money, how we were raised, what we saw, what we heard, what we experienced around money that really clouds and, or, or determines our belief systems around money and how we view money and how we hold money, how we spend money. And it's, you know, when you get it, it's, it's hard enough to do it on your own. And then you come into relationship and when you get into relationship and, and especially for those who are in deeply committed uh, relationship where you're starting to share finances and perhaps you have family and kids and you really are combining finances. Well, this is when the, you know, the rub comes. It's, it's, this is when the different belief systems start to, to show up. This is where our different spending habits ha- happen. And we know, I mean, for anybody who's in a relationship and who's, who's navigating this with their partner and navigating finances with their partner, you know how testing and trying money can be. And, and like I said, because it's so pervasive, because it influences so many decisions in our, in our life. It can be a source of tremendous distress and tremendous fighting, and I, you know, the latest statistic was that it's the it's the it's the number two reason that couples get divorced. So I think it's uh, it's very valid and it's incredibly important to have it on a relationship podcast. I heard another statistic three days ago that it's the number one thing that people actually fight about. I hadn't heard about the divorce statistic, but I heard it's the number one above in-laws, above sex, above anything else, that it's it's finances, which is so interesting. And it's not only finances for lower income people that maybe don't have enough, but it basically covers the entire spectrum. So it doesn't matter what place of the socioeconomic spectrum that you reside on, it's an issue, right? This oh. is important. Oh, dude, it's such an issue. It's so it's and it's so important. And and if you can get it right, it becomes so beautiful. It's this dance, mm. right? It's a, it's a dance. Money's a dance. Finances are a dance. You know, when money's tight, the dancing becomes tighter. When money's you know when money's abundant, how do we navigate it? And I, you know, so much of what I teach is really about, especially with couples, is really about understanding our programming around money. Mm. Right, like, like we have a preset sort of software that is deeply embedded that helps you know that determines the way we look at the world and the way we look at finances, right? And so, if I was raised in a household in in a in a household that spent money freely and that money was was you know came easy and everything we had you know the money was never an issue and I became as a result my programming led me to become a spender. 
And then I go and, and marry or, or get involved with, with, a, with, a, with a partner that came from a very different background, that came maybe from a frugal background or you know, came from hardship or struggle, and their, their dominant programming is saving. Well, you can already see how that the ten, even though we love each other and we see each other with these beautiful starry eyes to begin with, when the spender starts spending the money, then the saver's sense of security and sense of safety can get triggered and can get, you know, the need for safety becomes, becomes in, in, not met. And this is where we start landing up in fighting. I, <laughs> I like mm. to say it's, it's, you know, it's like Mac OS one meets windows 95 and they fall in love and get married. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, like, like not only are we coming from completely different operating systems, but so many times the operating systems old and outdated, right? We are still running the programming of grandpa Joe who lived through the great depression, who then, you know, who, who then brought it down to our parents who then brought it upon us. And, you know, we sort of running sort of this, this old programming that hasn't been updated, let alone synergized with your partner. It's interesting how we always like to think of ourselves as very individualistic people with our own thoughts. And we, you know, we basically create our own view of the world, but we really sometimes overlook the impact that our parents had and then the generational impact. And, and we'll use finances since that's what we're talking about, but just, you know, how our grandparents and how the great depression affected them has some influence on how I'm fighting with my spouse, or there's some kind of misunderstanding, <laughs> right? With my spouse. And, you know, we talk a lot about here on the podcast on the relationship series, how typically when couples come into a relationship, this is outside of the finances, but it's related, how a lot of times when we are coming into a relationship, typically one person is looking for more safety and more security. And sometimes the other person is looking for more freedom and adventure and looking to like kind of branch off into the world. And a lot of that really dictates, similar to what you just mentioned, is how did you grow up? Did you grow up in a nurturing environment that all of your basic fundamental needs were met. So by the time you kind of got out into your own, or by the time you got into a relationship, you wanted to explore because you've all, almost already had that default programming of safety, where a lot of us, it's, it's reversed, right? Where we're almost looking for a little bit more security in the confines of our intimate relationship. And so... I guess when we bring this back into finances, you mentioned that, you know, this is a dance, right? We're coming from two different operating systems. We're coming from two different places. Does that mean, look, we've, we both coming in with our different financial blueprints. Will it always be a dance? You know, will it always be this? We have to learn how to coordinate this together in so much that, yeah, we can get more on the same page, but will we ever be, you know, on the Mac OS operating system 5.2.3.6, like exactly the same? Are we always going to be different? And part of this process, learning how to navigate and to be okay with that dance. Well, I, I'm spending my life's work. My life's work now is to try and, you know, synergize or harmonize the, the dance, right? Yeah. And, and, and while we will never, Mm, we will never fully integrate, right? I don't believe that because we, we're going to maintain our own individual frequency always. Yes. And, and simply yes. because so much of the programming is so different generally, right? And, 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 and we come from such different backgrounds and we've had such different personal experiences. So we're always looking at the world with different lenses. Yes. And so much of what I teach and what I, what I help my clients do is to figure out the systems, right? You know, cause Money's money's a game, and like all games, it has rules. Now, part of the problem is that nobody taught us the rules, or, mm. or unless you unless you grew up with uh, financially savvy parents or a financially savvy parent, or you uh, you you had the great fortune of having a school. I mean, have you ever wondered why we get we come out of school? 
not only high school, but college, without having taken a single personal finance course. Doesn't that just blow your mind? Almost as much as not taking a relationship course that, or how to right. have a great marriage. Or even sex and how to you know, manage that, right? Yeah. I mean, like, like these, like the most fundamental life skills, the things that are most important to just overall general happiness. And, and so we come out of school. So not only are we, so we, not only are we raised by, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll share a little bit about my story just, just quickly. And, and I was raised by, you know, two very different parents. My dad was a Jewish accountant and master entrepreneur, and he was, you know, just a whiz with money. And my mother came from that different part of the Jewish background where there was a lot of scarcity and a lot of fear from all the pogroms and the Holocaust and, and losing money over and over again, right? And so I grew up watching my dad spend, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars on deals while my mother never felt like there was enough or never, you know, never really, there was, there was always scarcity in, in, in the, in the house and in the relationship. And that affected me dramatically because I sort of landed up taking a little bit of both. And so whenever I went out into the world and wanted to start a new adventure or a new business, I landed up getting scared and caught up in the, that there's not enough in the scarcity. And it really affected me for many, many years until I could unwind both of their voices and, and, and ultimately do the work and find my own. Right. And, and then, and then I marry my, 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 my love and she's got her own set of traumas and, and, and parents and her own, and, 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 having to figure out how to merge that and, and synergize that. And that's real, that's real work. And, and it, 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 it takes, it, it actually takes somebody who can help you navigate and actually help you get into the same systems, understanding money and having a system that actually deals with the different personalities that we have. Right. So that there is a, that there's money that if you have a need for safety, that there's enough money in that safety net in the save, in the save account. But that if you love to play, that there's money in a play account and that you can go and you can, you, you can flex that muscle of, of freedom and joy and expansion, right? Mm-hmm. While not, while not throwing the whole boat off of, off kilter because you've gone and spent uh, the family inheritance or you haven't made provision for investing or your long-term future. Did you find yourself leaning more dominantly toward your mom's uh, financial blueprint or your dad's, or did you feel like you just took a a pretty good mix of both of them? Yeah, I, I, I you know, I've I've been in business. I started my first company when I was when I was thirteen years old. I, I, you know, I, I, I never knew anything but being an entrepreneur. My all my role, my all my male role models were entrepreneurs and were businessmen, hmm. and but I really struggled with money because of. And 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 there's not a there's not a blame here, but there's there's just an understanding of that this fear that you know that that while I went out and I I try to make it in the world this this dom there was this dominant voice there was this this other part of myself that didn't feel like I was deserving or felt like like I had to save for a rainy day and every time I try to put one foot forward I I sort of took you know half a step back and and I and I did that dance for many many years started companies lost money started companies lost money I did that for for countless companies nearly faced bankruptcy I I landed up in a divorce and and became a single dad of a 1 year old I mean these things are real right when there's when there's when money's tight or when when you don't see eye to eye it becomes man it becomes hard it becomes hard and challenging and and it, and it, and it really it impacts so many decisions. I mean, what brand of diaper do you buy? What kind of food are you getting? Where are we going on holiday? What you know? What are we giving for Christmas gifts? It's just it's it's, it's all encompassing. It's interesting when you think about how many aspects of life that money hits in our life when it's when we live in such a capitalist society you know it's so interesting you said that you went through this cycle of going through these entrepreneur endeavors and sometimes not having them work out at what point did you start to come to a, an understanding of your own financial model and maybe why you were doing some of the things or not doing some of the things based on your programming yeah 
That's a great question. It was in my early thirties. It was about, you know, it, it was, it was really about 20 years ago that I started on this journey of self-discovery and I was, I was, I was introduced to it by, by a teacher and I, I did a, I did a course and it was the first time that anyone had really asked me what my relationship with money is because we, we, we actually, you know, money's, money's energy and we haven't, we have a relationship with that energy. You know, do we, do we think that money is the root of all evil? Well, if that's the relationship we have with money, then that's unlikely that you're going to achieve, you know, and, and, and I hold that belief because, and this is, this, I'm just using this as an example. This was not my belief, but it's quite a dominant belief. It's a prevalent belief, right? And, and that, that, that rich people are greedy and that if I have more than other people have less. And so there's these, all these subconscious and deep beliefs that live within us that actually determine our behavior and determine our viewpoint, right? And, and when I go to a fancy restaurant, do I look at, do the first thing that I look at is the prices. And when my missus orders a $40 steak, does that like ruin my dinner? And, and for me, it was really this, you know, starting this, this process of really looking at my relationship with money and really, and looking at, at my, my thoughts and beliefs around it. And, you know, part of what I came to also, you know, for me, it was, it was much of this, this, this hero's journey of, you know, I was creating all these companies. I was doing all these things, all these businesses. And in many ways it was to make so much money that my father would respect me. You know, that, that was real for me. That was a real deep that, wow, I was creating all these big opportunities, these big ideas in order to have the love and respect of my father. And it's, it's, it's so true, right? I mean, for, for me, it was so deep and so revealing, like, wow, is that, is that really the belief that I'm holding that if I have, if I can be successful in business and if I can be successful and have lots of money, then that would, that would, you know, bring some level of respect into my life. And, and I realized that that was just an, an old non-supportive belief that wasn't even true. What my father just wanted was my, my, my happiness and my, and, and, and for me to be, you know, deserving and kind and caring. And, and when I was able to work through some of those deeper beliefs and when I was able to go, you know what, I, I, I don't have to say for a rate, the sky isn't falling, which was, which is part of, you know, my, my mother's sort of programming. When I was able to navigate through some of that and, and unpeel some of those layers and realize, you know what, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And it, and it comes back to the self-worth that we have to do it in, in ourselves first. And so that's why so much of this work that I do is really, it's got to do with this. Uh, yeah, there's, there's always, there's always two aspects to money, right? There's the psychology of money, the beliefs and the thoughts. And then there's the mechanics of money, which is actually how to create the money management systems, how to invest and grow your money and compound it and diversify and protect. But the, both of those need to be addressed and need to be worked on because if I'm holding a, a deep non-supportive belief, then it doesn't matter how many tools or tricks I give you, you're ultimately going to self-sabotage or blow it or not follow through or the myriad of other things that we do because we're holding some non-supportive belief that money is not good for us or it's bad for us or it's evil or it's any of those things. I think it's one of the reasons why people that win the lottery are kind of like right back to where they were in just uh, in just a matter of months. Well, of course, and that's and that's the most telling part, right? Because they have neither, right? All of a sudden, this huge flux influx of money comes in. We see it with with athletes. We see it with 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 anybody who hasn't really done this deep work. And all this money comes in, and before you know it, they don't have the container to hold it. They don't know what to do with it. And it becomes, you know, these old patterns of like, well, I, you know, having money is a big responsibility. And quite frankly, I don't want the responsibility. And next thing you know, I'm back to broke. And it's 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 prevalent. We see it all over. I love what you just said earlier. It it really hit home for me. We have to keep coming back to this point that you made earlier is that Money, it's just an energy, right? You have a choice on where in that vibration you want to align yourself with that energetic force of money. There's really a couple aspects to it. It's that energetic side of it, right? It's your beliefs. It's what do you attach to money? And then there's the 
the more, I guess, the physical and the pragmatic side of money where it uh, acts more on like fundamental laws of physics, quote unquote, if you will, about just how to make more money and um, how to invest and compounding interest and all that other really good stuff. But before we start to dive in into some of the nitty gritty and some tips for our listeners, I think it's just real important to hit home again, just how important it is for us to understand the foundational aspect of where our money behaviors and patterns and our blueprint have been fostered for for so long because I think we could start to learn all of the investing techniques and all the little nitty gritty of how to maybe bring in more cash. But if we're not addressing the underlying issue, does money bring me more security? Am I looking for my mother's love? All of these other things that I feel like that's the foundational uh, piece of it. And I'm just wondering if you could maybe just speak a little bit more to that, because I feel like that's such an important uh, part of understanding individually before we even come uh, come into a, a relationship or a partnership. Oh, oh yeah. And, and it's, and you know, not only is it on an individual level, Scott, but on a on a societal level, there are some deep underlying programming that is bombarded to us daily, fifty times a day by the advertising companies. And Lynn Twist, in her fantastic book, The Soul of Money, she 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 says that there's there's like three dominant programmings that run through the Western mind. The, the, the one is that there's not enough. The second one is that more is better. And the, the third one is that that's just the way it, it, it will always be, right? Now, let's just focus on the first two, that there's, there's not enough and that more is better. And, I, and, and that is, it feels so true to me that that is what runs through so much of the Western world. And that dominant programming that there's not enough and that more is better is, is leading to this absolute consumerism, this, this need for more and more and more and more. And so we consume and we buy and we hold and we hoard. And we make milestones and we hit those milestones. We want to make a million and then it's not enough. We want 5 million. We want 10 million. And you see that it, it becomes a, you know, it's, it's like drinking salt water. You never quite quench the thirst. And we got, you know, and, and, and there's never a, there's never a point where you can sit back and go, you know what? I'm good. There's, there's enough. And so it's one of the big questions that I always ask is what, what is enough and, and what feels, you know, what would make you feel safe? And, and I think it's got to do with really addressing some base needs, you, you, you know, I've done a, in, I'm, I'm sure you've done a lot of work in the nonviolent, the NVC world, right? And this, this idea of really, right, when my, when my wife spends money, I feel angry. Why, you know, why am I feeling angry? Because my need for safety is being threatened. Uh, and if we can get to that level of understanding what our needs are, well, then we can start creating money management systems and we can start creating agreements between ourselves and our partner to actually get those needs met. And so my, if I have a need for adventure, I have a need for uncertainty, or I have a need to travel, well, then let's build systems that address those needs. And if we can satisfy our needs and get our needs met, then our nervous systems can relax. And if we, if I, you know, if my need for, you know, if, if, if I get my needs met, then I can then I can rest. And I can actually enjoy the journey, and I can I can come back to what's really important. And right now we're chasing, boy, we're chasing, and we're living in a you know in the most abundant period in human history, and yet the the scarcity paradigm, the poverty consciousness that still lives with the not enough and that more is better is just is it it, it cannot it's non sustainable. And as this planet, you know, as our population explodes and the planet explodes and as wealth explodes, you know, at some point we have to take stock. You know, we have to we have to do our deep, our own deep individual work. 
and so there is there is a lot of there is a lot of personal work there's a lot of shared work like you said the mechanics right and and the mechanics are incredibly important how to set up your systems how to automate how to diversify all of those but like you said without doing that the the that inner work we're just going to continue to to so, to erode it erode the soil yeah and i think that's i just i just think that is just so important so for anybody who's been listening and has maybe had some challenges with finances in their own life or coming up against some challenges in their partnership or their marriage this is the 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 fundamental thing to look at just even having the conversation about finances can be a very tricky one and taking some time especially with someone who has gone through this journey because you're right this is just something we have not been taught and using our using finances and a certain metric of not just what will give me a good life, but just like, what do I just need to feel whole and secure, right? You know, we talk a lot about a self-actualized marriage on this program. And when we talk about just even self-actualization, you know, what is it on those bottom rungs of our self-actualized pyramid that we need just to feel safe, right? That is safety, food, shelter, you know, and we normally don't ever look at that. And what I have found in my own life and through these years of, of working with this type of work is that when we actually kind of break down what we need, it's typically a lot less than we think. And a lot of times we have this kind of pre-programmed from our parents and from the media of what we need to have this life that's actually going to be fulfilling. And I found that it's it, a lot of times sitting down, doing the work, figuring out what that is. A lot of times it's a lot less than what we think we need. And that's very freeing. Like that's it. It feels light. It feels beautiful. And that everything that we can build on top of that, like having an abundant life, like have that vacation home, have more money to be able to donate and to give and to, you know, travel, do whatever you love to do. You love to race cars, have 10 of them. That's fantastic. But what's the base level that you just need to feel whole and complete? Like you are doing your God work, that you're doing your legacy work, that you are contributing in what you would feel a meaningful way. Like you mentioned, like figuring out what just what that foundational need is just for you to feel secure in whatever your money blueprint is, I think is, is, is so important. They did a survey, and you probably know this more than me, that they asked all these people, you know, what's the minimum that you think you would need to live a, a full life, like the dollar amount? And uh, I think it came out to like 60 or 70,000. And anything above that, just, you know, you had very small incremental levels of happiness <laughs> above that. And then people were thinking, oh, I need like 100,000, I need 200,000. And that typically wasn't always the case. Sure. Yeah, I know. I know that's, it's, I think it's like 75,000. And, you know, because, because there's a, there's a, it's the law of diminishing return. Like money does buy you happiness. What else does it buy you? But it, it buys it to you at a it's sort of a diminishing rate. If you're, if you're homeless and someone gives you $10,000, that is going to spike your, your, your happiness. But if you're at, a hundred thousand, and I give you ten thousand. Well, it, it might just put a little tiny blip on the radar. If you're worth a million, and I give you ten thousand, it's not even going to register. Well, I would even I would even add to that. If you're at a million, and someone gives you four hundred thousand, which is a substantial amount, that's still not even going to be in the same comparison as giving the homeless person ten thousand dollars. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. And so we we get caught up in this in this trying to compete with the Joneses or thinking we need to give our kids the, the finest private education and we need to, you know, live in the best areas. And, and the, those are all great, but there's a price for that and there's a consequence, right? And, and to me, it's all about lifestyle, right? Like money is this, you know, nothing more important than lifestyle. And so if you're working 60, 70, 80 hours a week in order to and afford the, the, all the toys in the world, then what have you, you know, what, what's the point really? 
And, and so finding that balance, right. And find, and, and, and also working, you know, working smart and understanding that, you know, that if you're, if you're simply trying, if you're simply trading your, your, your hours for money, you're trading your time for money, well, then there's going to be a ceiling on your income, right? There's going to be a ceiling on how much you can make. And so th- there's, there's definitely the mechanics in it as well. Really, like even just the, just understanding that money is not linear, that money is actually an, you know, that the wealthy really understand that money is an exponential, is an, it's on an exponential graph that takes time. Right? We're all, we're all, fixated by the one click and the you know the the multiple hits and the getting rich quick schemes but in truth just like growing an orchard it takes you know for when growing trees that produce fruit every year it takes time and it and it takes discipline and effort and and energy and 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 really what we want to do is we want to we want to grow our financial orchard we want to grow you know streams of passive income that produce revenue when we're not working, but that takes process and it takes, and that's where the mechanics come in. And that's where the mindset affects the mechanics. Because if I'm, you know, if I'm, if I'm always worried or I'm trying to make a quick buck or all these things, it can lead to the dismantling of that process. Okay. So we talked a lot about the fundamentals. What's one of the first steps that couples can do if they haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about their financial history, their financial blueprint, what's some of the first steps that couples can do? Should they maybe ask these questions individually? Should they come together? What, what do you suggest? Well, the first, uh, the first step that I, the, the very first step that I always you know, do with my clients is to get clarity on their actual finances it's very what does that mean yeah yeah it's it's a very pragmatic thing it's actually getting an under so so it's really like i said money is a game and the and financial statements are your scorecard so we want to know what we earn and what we spend and we don't want to just have that as a theoretical we actually want that in some we want that in some automated book bookkeeping format right we, we want to be able to pull those numbers down because so much of the couples that i've worked with they're like oh you spend so much money and you did this and i don't know where all our money goes and you're spending all my money or my whole I, I go out and i work and and what we want to do is we want to focus on the data and not the drama right we want to we want to actually understand where does our money go every month and how much how much are we earning and how much are we spending yeah and when you say that when someone goes oh you're spending all my money that comment or that statement is is coming from an emotional place not necessarily a factual place because a lot of times they don't know the exact metric or the numbers or how much, but there's a feeling of you're spending all my money. Well, if I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's like, let's get on the same page. Let's actually find out what those numbers are. Let's take a a snapshot and figure out what the money is. Right. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, and because in, 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 in so many circumstances, traditionally, traditionally, if the man's holding the, doing the finances or holding the finances or sometimes one partner's in the dark and the other partner doesn't actually know how much money he has the credit card, go and use it, right. Go and buy the groceries and go. And there's not, there's not a level of transparency. And so one partner's going out and spending and thinking they're working within their means, but really don't have a good sense of actually the full financial picture. Mm. And so a big, you know, I I like to say that you're in a family business and just like you wouldn't go into a regular business without having actual financials and knowing your profit and loss every month. Yet we go into our relationships and we're, we're in the, you know, we're running the family business and we don't. And, and, and so the first step is to like figure out what actually is happening in your finances how much are you earning? How much are you spending? In addition to that, we want to know what our assets and our liabilities are. We want to know what we own and we want to know what we owe, right? We want to get that, 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 that all that, that beautiful number called our net worth. Yeah. And, and most 
most people just don't know what their personal net worth is. And, yeah. And wealthy people focus on not what they earn, but what they own. Yes. And so yes. that's like, that's part of the, you know, we're in this consumer nation, like we, like I spoke about before. And so we're buying, we're buying liabilities. We're buying stuff that is depreciating. We're using our harder, we're trading our time for money, spending that hard earned money on crap that gives us a momentary endorphins, you know, a momentary spark of, 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 of chemicals to the brain. And then it sits in our garage for the next five years until we finally give it to goodwill or throw it away. And when you understand what that thousand dollar set of golf clubs, I know, uh, jet ski. Uh, yeah. Forget it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Jet ski. You know, when you understand what that $20,000 jet ski costs, when you, when, if you could have just taken it and made a different decision with it, and when you understand the actual cost of that on a compounded basis, well, that's part, that's where that we didn't get the education, right? That's where, where really we got to begin to understand that it's not just the 20,000 for the jet ski, but it's the future value of what you could have done with that money had you allowed it to grow in a, in, in a diversified and compounded way. Yeah, it, it, it basically an asset. Yeah. I love Robert Kiyosaki's definition mm-hmm. of an asset and liability, you know, and he says that an asset is something that puts money into your pocket, where a liability is something that takes money out of your pocket. Yeah, yeah. It, it, an asset is something that feeds you, where liability is something that eats you. <laughs> I yeah, love that it, too. It's, it, it's, it's exactly right. And we, you know, we're just in the habit of, 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 of spending money incessantly, mostly because a, lo- a lot of the times just because we, ne- we, you know, the investment world seems confusing and it seems like it's only reserved for those, uh, you know, those Wall Street types and or the accountants. But when you really get down to brass taxes, it's not that complicated. You know, when you're sort of shown it in a, in a clear and concise way, it can become, oh, wow, that wasn't so difficult. Oh, wow, I can, I can move from consumer to investor. Oh, wow, maybe, maybe if I would have taken that $5,000 and put it into Amazon in 1997, I'd be a multimillionaire today or put it into Bitcoin or, you know, like, but without being in the game, without, without getting into the game and having a plan and a, and a process for that, well, you're continuing this, this never-ending cycle of working hard to pay your bills. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And look, we're not, you know, advocating to not buy the jet ski or to not buy the golf clubs. If you love golfing, you should have 12 golf clubs, but have your financial foundation set first and then, you know, find out what your passions are and <laughs> Absolutely, you know. and, and that's and that's why you know I teach a money management system that allow that make sure that you have the golf clubs or make sure that you have money for golf or for the for those things that bring you joy. Because what's the point of you know? There's the there's the other paradigm. There's the other archetype who's the the chronic investor, right? <laughs> Takes every penny they have and they he and and he or she invests it. And they live, they, you know, they live like paupers because they're growing, you know, they, they asset rich, but cash poor. So there's, there's, yep. that's another, yep. that's another model, right? You've got the yep. spender, you've got yep. the saver, you've got the investor, you've got the money monk, you've got all these different, these, these archetypes. And so we've got to navigate through them and make sure, you know, for that investor who's constantly investing, you need to make sure that, that every month's got money working for him. But at the same time that there's, there's, there's money, you know, set aside automatically to do the things that, that money's there f- to do, which is really to enjoy this beautiful planet and, 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 and this very short life we led. Yep. Beautifully said. I mean, we are, we're human beings. We're physical creatures having, you know, a human experience. There's a reason why we're not up in the ethers. It's to taste the fine wines and have all that beautiful stuff. We just have to do it correctly. <laughs> I want to circle back around to something you said I'm working with a couple couples right now where there is a disconnect on the amount of financial information that's shared. And there is one, typically one of the partners that is usually making more of the money or managing more of the money. And what I typically hear from the other partner is I, I either get an allowance 
or I get these little small bits of information and they're, they're kind of in the dark. And the feedback that I get is they're okay with them managing the money because they have more of an expertise and it's more in their wheelhouse and that's fine. But they're feeling like they're not getting like, like they're, they're not understanding and they're not part of the team when it comes to, you know, team Jones finances, right. Or, or like what you alluded to earlier, the business, right. The family Inc. And I'd love to pick your brain a little bit on your thoughts on how to have those conversations, any types of modalities or, or ways to, you know, be more, have more clarity with one another? And do you feel like there should be completely equal, say, do you feel like all parties should know, like all, like every time the statements come out every month, should, you know, should both of them sit down and know all the numbers and go through the spreadsheets? Or do you feel like it's just one person just has to feel comfortable enough with the amount of financial knowledge that goes on in Household Inc.? Yeah, it's, it's, there's not a, it's, it's not a, a one stop shop for, for, for everybody. I'll, I'll, I'll go back to our business analogy, right? It feels important to me that there is a CFO of the family, right? There's like usually one, you know, usually one person in the relationship loves the money or enjoys the numbers. And yeah. there's another that just hates it. Like, ah, oh, I do not want to. Do not ask me to do another budget or another. Do not ask me to look at the finances. Do not ask me to balance the checkbook. Yeah, uh, it feels like a job. Another job for them. Another job. Where so, where so so it's important to to you know that somebody you, you, that that the, the the one you hire to to the CFO enjoys it and 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 likes doing it. There needs to be a, a trust factor, you know, and and money can be a a real you know there's a lot of power struggle amongst couples when it comes to money especially if one partner is making the money and the other one is is not maybe they're staying at home or they're you know they're 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 retired and so so w- when one partner doesn't want to show the other the numbers there's usually some deeper work that's needed right? Like then there's some trust issues. And again, think about it. If I'm a 50-50 partner in a company with you and I say, hey, can I see the finances? And you say, no, you don't need to see the finances. Here's your, here's your budget and go spend it. But, mm. but hold on, this, this is our company, right? Yeah. So, so the, in, in, I, I firmly, and, and that's why the very, you asked me the very first step, the very first step is to get clarity on your finances and let both pa- partners have transparency in that. And and that can be a process for some to really let go and really trust, but that's next level relating, right? That, like, how do we get to next levels of of trust and 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 feeling like, wow, this is my partner and we're doing this thing together? And so sometimes we have to work through some some of these blockages to really feel well. Well, if I show if I show him everything I have, then he's going to go spend it, or if I show her everything we got, then you, you know, then then she's going to get nervous because there's not as much as as we said, but. And this is where the the deeper relating comes in, and the deeper levels of trust and surrender, and 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 there's work there. Yeah, that trust um, part. That trust. I just want to ask, bring in one little point. That trust part you're talking about, I think, is really important, and I'm really glad that you brought that up because you want to feel like you can trust the way the money is being talked about and being presented in in the relationship. And I think what I found too is there is one person that is just more apt to be the CFO and that works well, right? It's what I've noticed. It doesn't have to be equal, but there has to be equal say if if they want and and to have that trust to be able to know. I know that for a lot of couples, a lot of times they just kind of want to know that if they ask something that they can get the information or that they 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 can have that information if they wanted to and a lot of times just knowing that 
that paradigm or that safety of like, yeah, we're on equal page. I can look at the books. I can understand what we're spending and where we're spending. But I don't always want to know because it's <laughs> sometimes it's too much for me. But it's nice to know that we can have that that open dialogue. But I think that trust factor is is, is a pretty big sticking point for a lot of relationships when it comes to divulging everything and putting everything out on the table. I think it's very scary for a lot of couples or at least one partner, at least one side of the the equation. Yeah. And and so just to address a couple points there, the, the there's there's a real importance for both couples to feel empowered around their finances and, yeah. and to have a to have a you know a, a general understanding of how money works and what we're doing and where, you know where we do it where where we're going a big part of the the my work is to really you know again where are, what it, we we here now where we going what are our long term goals where where do we want to be in a year or three or five years what is our lifestyle right so really like synergizing and harmonizing sort of the direction that we're going into and then and then under you know getting clarity on the finances but it's very, you know, like I, I encourage my clients to at least, at least once a month to put a financial date on the calendar and for the CFO to give an overview of where the, the finances are, how we doing, hmm. what happened for the month. Hey, babe, I, you know, and, and to be in the, to be in a place of observation rather than judgment. And so to do some of that work, go, wow, you know what we spent, we, we spent an extra $1,500 on groceries this month. You know, what happened? Oh, you know, it was the holidays and it was Christmas and we entertained and we had your brother over for the, you know, and so that you can move into sort of this, this, the, the dance, but from a, from an, from a curious place and from a, okay, great. But you know, honey, I just want you to see like there was a lot of money and, and for the other ones, so, you know, I apologize. Let's, let's, I'll pay closer attention to it. And, and, and then, and then again, the more transparency, the more both couples feel connected to the business, to the partnership, to the, to the profitability of the, of the family business. Well, then, it, you know, we can lean on each other and, and hold each other in, in a, in a, in a sweeter and more refined way. Mm, beautifully said. What are your thoughts on how to combine finances? We used to be. I mean, even as far far back as our parents' generation, I mean, I'm not even talking 200, 300 years ago, but just our parents' generation, especially our grandparents' generation, they were getting hitched at 19, 20, 23. They typically didn't have a lot of money. So it was very easy just to put everything in one bank account. Now people are getting married in their late 20s, their 30s, their 40s, and a lot of them are, are coming with a, some bank accounts and some some assets. And a lot of them were having a hard time figuring out how to combine all of the bank accounts and combine the assets and combine the money. What are your thoughts on that? So I, I'll share a personal story is that I have, I've, I've had assets that came in from, from before my mom, relationship before my marriage. And those are, have been ring fenced and sort of put in its own trust. That's my separate property trust. And then for over the last 15 years, we've got a, I've got a Craig and Amy Salona trust and all assets have been acquired in those trusts together, right? Even within the spending, even within the, you know, the dated. So, so, you know, that's the one thing is when we come into the, the relationship with different assets or there's inheritance, my father died, left me a million dollars. Is is that joint property or is that separate? Yeah. Does that go to the kids? And so, you know, that's a personal decision. It can really complicate things when you got family money and it and it brings it into a, you know, you bring it all into the same pile. And it's it's got a lot to do with the level of trust and the level of connection and the level of but I'm not. I'm, it's, I'm not always a, a, a yes to combining everything. Sometimes what what came before the relationship can stay as separate property, and then whatever happens within the relationship is 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 joint. So too, when we're creating our you know our personal spending, you know if we you know how do you combine finances? And I find that uh, a lot of 
couples are even reluctant to join bank accounts and I, or, or they'll have one bank account and that pays for the, the rent and the food and whatever the, but everything else is kept separate, right? And each couple contributes towards that. And, and I like more of a synergistic approach that we're living this life together. And so I like, you know, our, our joint expenses to be together, but also our play expenses and, and giving a, and our give account and, and even our investment account. And can we both contribute to our investments? And these are our investments. All, all the while still maintaining my account and some, my, you know, a, a level of money that's mine and that you don't have access to and you don't have transparency to. Right, so there is a level of of, of autonomy that I, I feel is very important in relationships, and and that's all part of this, you know, of of setting up this money management system where some is shared, some is maintained personally, and it's you know it's 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 part of navigating the labyrinth. Yeah, that's very interesting. We talk a lot about on this show about the components of a self actualized marriage, and there's always three components. There's there's him, there's her, and then there's the union and the heterosexual couple. And it's really important to feed all of those entities. And a lot of times couples get lost in just putting everything into couplehood, right? And we forget about the individualistic nature. And it sounds like what you said is there's not a one size fits all. And we can have some of our own, and then we we can figure out what we want to combine and and have as as household ink. So I think that's that's really beautiful what you just said. But I do, you know, again, I think when and this and this may be different for different couples, but when we when we go when we decide to get married or go into deep relationship, you know, and we start sharing finances. Well then, let's give the the relationship enough nutrients to grow and create mm. the lifestyle that we want to live. Love that. While maintaining a level of autonomy, right? I do not want my wife to see everything I spend on, not because I'm being secretive, but because I'm a man and there's certain things that I just want to spend on that that is that is mine, and vice versa. I don't want to know what she spends on everything; it drives me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, you know. Yeah. So we. So it's a, a lot. A lot of this is navigating agreements and going. Okay, well, we know we bring in, and this is where the you know this is why that first step of like, well, how much do we bring in as a as a as a union? How much does the the, yeah. the family business generate? Right on. We we generate ten grand a month. How are we splitting that? You know, like how much is going into the relationship and how much is staying autonomous? And and I think once you can navigate navigate those agreements in a good way. And then you have a system that's transparent and that if agreements have to be changed, then they have to be changed in, a, in, a, in an organized fashion and, and through the, the renegotiation of agreements, well, then that, ha- that reduces the, 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 the level of conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Nicely said. You know, it, it's, when, it's, when there's, it's when there's all these ambiguous edges and, and, and un, un, <laughs> unresolved uh, discrepancies and 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 the clearer you can have on the agreements and the systems and the and and even within your bank accounts to have different bank accounts for different aspects and facets of your life that's a that's a big tool in 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 your tool belt because then you can open up your 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 you know your online banking and going well how much do we have in our play account all oh, right on we have $1,000, let's go have some fun. Or we've got 150 bucks, it's Netflix and leftovers, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so, and and if both partners are, are seeing that same dashboard, well, then the decision-making process becomes easier. Yeah, yeah, I love that. What are your thoughts on splitting costs? And the reason why I bring that up, I have a real-world experience where I have a couple one of the partners makes $68,000. The other one makes $190,000. Yet they continue to split most aspects of the rent and groceries 50-50. And one of the partners is starting to have a, a little bit of resentment. I'm um, just kind of curious on what your thoughts are with that. If you've ever encountered working with your couples, um, oh yeah, all the time, yeah, all the time. and and especially when there's a reluctance to say, well, your ninety plus my sixty is one fifty, and how do we divvy up the one fifty, right? As opposed to, 
well, I've got 90 and you've got 60 and, and this is mine and this is, and, and it, and it, bleeds into so many other aspects of life because all of a sudden one person's abundant and wants to go on holiday and the other one now is feeling restricted and doesn't want to go on holiday. And so lifestyle gets affected because there's not a, a level of sharing. Yeah. And again, it's, it's all about, you know, like, oh, well, my ex-wife took my money and now I'm not share. I'm now going to hold and hide. And so this is part of where we have to do some of that trauma work and some of that deep belief work about you know, why is it that I'm being restrictive with my current partner? Is it, is there something in the backdrop? Am I, is there a level of, you know, a need for my, my need for trust is not being met. And so therefore I'm withholding. And so it, it's, it's, it can be complicated, Scott. It can be, it can be deep and old, or, you know, I watched my dad leave my mother without any money and now there's no way I'm not going to have, you know, you know, so we, this, there's so many, strings and roots attached to these things and have to be, you know, delicately addressed and unraveled slowly. Yeah. And this, you know, a lot of times what is typically set up in the beginning of the relationship, right? We talked about earlier how our parents may have gone into marriage at 20 and, you know, they were both barely making any money. And then all of a sudden one partner maybe starts to make a little bit more. So the dynamic, the financial dynamic of the relationship changes. And then, so to go back what you were saying earlier, because it changes, you are suggesting, if I'm hearing you correctly, to sit down every month to kind of look at this and talk about it. Is there a way to set up this type of conversation or what are your recommendations to have it to where it doesn't feel overwhelming? It doesn't feel like it's too frequent and that it feels light enough to be able to bring it to the table maybe once a week, once a month, once every quarter. And I'm just wondering, like, what would you suggest for someone just kind of getting into this? How would they set up uh, a time to create a household Inc. meeting about their finances without it being so heavy. Because, you know, sometimes we can set up this this great criteria of meeting, but sometimes it's so much and, you know, we've got the kids to, you know, we've got soccer practice and we've got this and there's so much life stuff going on that it's it's hard to schedule it. How do we keep it at the the minimum viable you know, product, <laughs> if you will. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? That yeah. is still obtainable. Yeah, I mean, because it's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot, and and part of it is that because it's because it it's hard and can be triggering, and oh, we you know we sit down and then the next thing you know we're fighting about money. I mean, who wants to set that meeting up every right? You know, like oh man, I said one thing and she flew off the handle. Or I, I I did this and. Yeah. So, so it's so important. You know, I like, to, I like to do my date nights in public. <laughs> yeah. I have my financial date nights. I tell my clients to go out and, 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 and do it somewhere where, you know, where, where there's no kids. Yeah. And, and it's have a drink if you want. Yeah. yeah I like, yeah. yeah have it light. I think you know, light is a big part of this. So much of this is to try and make money a game. You know, mm. we, we take it so seriously and, mm. and man, if we can make it a game and there's, there's all these zeros and ones and we're just trying to put them in the right place and we, we watching them grow and look at this, we did good or when, you know, crypto's down this month, but we don't get down, you know, it's, it, it, it and, and if both people understand the, the rules of the game and sort of have agreed to the rules of the game then the game becomes more enjoyable to play. Mm. And, and we, we want to get to that place. We want to get to, but, but, you know, unfortunately, and, and this is where it's, where it's hard is that there's often so many triggers or, or traumas or, you know, w w one, one partner violated trust and there's trust, you know, and so at this point it becomes beyond the scope of just finances, right? So, 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 so often it's got nothing to do with the money. It's got to do with the fact that, I, you know, I can't trust you or I, I, I don't, I don't feel like you're responsible. And, and those are deeper core issues that, that almost need deeper core work, you know, deeper core relationship work, mm. but it's, it's just manifesting through the money. And, you know, the finances are an easy target because I come home and I see that, you know, I see that Amazon package on the ground and I just want to shout at him because you know, there's another, <laughs> fucking, another fucking Amazon package. And, you know, it's like, oh my God. Yeah. Right? We, we, all, we all know that feeling, right? We all know that feeling. And, and, how, and, and 
and and how and do you have a system that can encompass it. I, I keep coming back to so much of this has to do with having an effective money management system where your money comes in, it gets distributed into different accounts. You know that you're investing, you know you're saving, you know you got some money for play. And as long as you can live within that framework and those agreements that you've made based on the amount of money that you're bringing in, it can definitely uh, you know reduce tension and, and make the, the, the relationship a little bit more harmonious. There's, there's so often when we have conversations about money, like actual serious conversations about money, it's heavy a lot of times. It can get traumatic a lot of times. And I think maybe the first step is when we kind of come together, let's have it light, right? Let's go out to dinner. Let's 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 make it fun and start to create new reference points that when we talk about money, it's actually fun. It's actually light. It's actually constructive as opposed to having to be something where we cringe or want to run away from or just freeze up <laughs> anytime the thought of connecting with our partner about money. And I think that's a that's a really important piece too is getting to that framework where having the conversation about money. Maybe you have a great relationship with your partner about sex. Right. And you talk to other couples and they're just like, Oh, I can't, I can't talk to him about sex. He just, he just shuts down. I'm so grateful that me and my partner, like we can talk about sex freely and it's fantastic. And we have those aspects somewhere else in our life. And to really set that intention of bringing the conversation around finance to be one that is fun and exciting and freeing and dare I say light. Even though it's uh, there's a lot wrapped up into it, you know. Yeah, and I think you know, I think just as a, a, a you know, if you've had sexual trauma or you you you're sexually inhibited or whatever it else, it's going to take work for that to become fun, and 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 you know that which you put attention on is is what grows and and I think that people want people come out thinking that they should know about money that they should have their shit together that they should just be you know making money hand over fist that the money that you know the net their wealth's going to grow and the truth is is that it takes work it takes attention it takes looking at it it takes doing the deeper belief work and and some of that and sometimes it takes someone to help navigate that and that's you know that's where i've spent most of my you know most of my time is is really helping to navigate and, and helping clients get on the same page and 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 you know you, we were talking about like how do you harmonize windows and mac well sometimes it's creating a brand new os that both of you are buying and that are new and fresh and that are agreed upon and when you can do that and like oh this is the system that i like well then a lot of that fighting and just you know automatically dissipates right and and so so there's 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 a lot there's a lot there Mm, beautifully said. Well, we're coming up to the uh, to the end of the hour on the podcast here, and I still have another page of notes that we didn't get to. So I will definitely have to schedule you to come back on the show because this is such a it's such a big topic, and it is it is so important. And I I really believe that if couples could get more of a just a, a grasp and more in a harmonious alignment with that, man, you'll really see your relational fulfillment just, just skyrocket. So I really want to thank you for uh, bringing your heart and your knowledge of finances and couples to the program. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. Why don't you let our audience know what you're up to, how they can get a hold of you, what you're up to, what other projects are going on? Sure. So I've been I've been teaching the Finance for Couples course, which can be found at finance the number four couples.com. And I'm I'm getting ready to launch my Empowered Wealth for Women course early next year and I'm really excited about that. I feel like so much of like like I shared earlier, so much of the work is individualized and I'm really excited to work with with women and helping them 
to find their feet. I feel like the the planet is is in need of more women with more money, <laughs> you know, more, <laughs> more compassion, and and I and I and I feel like it's imperative in in the. I feel like women have have definitely taken the short end of the stick and and been relegated in the finance department. And so so often I find that when the women do the work in the couple, the man, especially if the woman is you know, women make the majority of purchasing decisions, and women make the majority of you know handle the the family finances. And so I've found that just doing that work individually with women has helped the relationship dramatically as well. And that's why I'm, I'm moving deeper into that. And that can be found at Empowered Wealth for Women as well. And we're getting ready for our, for our big uh, launch early ne- next year in January next year. And you can find me at Craig at CraigSaloner.com. That's C-R-A-I-G-S-A-L-O-N-E-R.com. And feel free to email me or, you know, get hold of me in any way you you want and yeah i i just i love the work i love i love helping people i i feel like this work is so important and and man if you can shift your your financial position and your relationship around money so much opens up and so much of the world becomes your oyster so it it definitely feels like like god's work and i'm grateful to do it no we're grateful that you're doing it as well and thank you again for for coming on the show i i couldn't agree with you more. This is much, much, much needed work. And I know it'll help a lot of people. So for anybody listening, as always, links will be in the show notes. Uh, We'll also link to Lynn Twist's book, Soul of Money. It is absolutely fantastic. And uh, Craig, thank you again for coming on the show. We look forward to having you again. Thank you, brother. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this show, we would be so grateful if you left a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. This helps us out immensely. Thank you so much. Are you ready to take your personal, relational or business fulfillment to the next level? With one-on-one personal support, co-developed strategies and accountability, Scott and Joshua have the tools, compassion and years of experience helping people just like you live an extraordinary life. Visit masteringfulfillment.com for details.